Story number one, The Impossible, written by three ducks in a man suit. Planet Scalay, seven. Exploration base number one, briefing room number four. All right, all right, everyone calm down and take a recliner. The briefing will now begin. There was a short period of leisurely slithering and a good-natured jostling as the room packed full of heat-loving scalayers slunk themselves into the warmed gel-like seats. The captain of the podium tasted the air. Perhaps the temperature should be turned up a bit. She wouldn't want anyone falling asleep. She hissed sharply, silencing the room and seizing the attention of her crew. We finally have our next mission. The brood mother was tasked us with investigating an unusual phenomenon that has come to her attention. She wants answers and we have been given the honor of seeking them for her. She paused to ensure that she had everyone's attention before continuing. A star in the third arm of the galaxy started losing light two standard years ago and has grown dimmer by the cycle since that time and now we can no longer pick it up on our closest instruments. There has been no signs of a supernova or any star-eating stellar phenomenon that explains the disappearance, nor was the star anywhere near a natural expiry. The broodmother is curious as to why. She has mandated that the Zyadus travel to where the star should be and report what we find there. She brought up a star map for her crew to see. It's going to be a long trip, 180 warp jumps to reach the designated spot. We're leaving the cycle after next, so let's go over some of the logistics. Ship number 3449, designation Zyadus. Position Z12253X55943Y90038. The data of the past 10 standard years gathered painstakingly by the Observer's Guild was laid out before the chief analyst. A unique phenomenon of the vast expanse of space was, in itself, exceedingly rare. Simple statistics ensured that it was impossible for something to occur once at all. Then, it would occur many times. There were simply too many stars for one to have something about and shared with no other, which made this instance truly fascinating. The rate of dimming had been so gradual at first that it had gone largely unnoticed. The increase had been exponential, two standard years for the star to go from a normal to totally extinguished. Half of the dimming occurred in just a final month. Chief Analyst had of course checked the position and observation drones and had recorded this information. It was one of billions of cheaply produced deep space surveillance spots. But even with the sheer quantity of them in the galaxy, it was still six light years from the phenomenon. She had a reflect of the fact that although they had just witnessed the event, the real-time star went fully dark in a full six standard years ago. There were also known phenomena that could replicate the disappearance. Curious. The captain hiss vibrated through the communication systems. Time for the next jump. Chief Analyst dutifully strapped herself in. They were almost there, almost to the answers that she wanted. She could hardly wait. Ship number 3449, designation Zydus, position Z17634X21108Y84563. Verifying the nearby star, standby, check. Extrapolating stellacritographic data, standby, check. We have arrived, Captain. This is the spot. 
captain peered at the instruments on her console even while she hissed orders to the rest of the ship, dispensing the members of the observation cast as they aboard, issuing guard details from the warrior cast and designating responsibilities to members of her own leader's cast. Before there were two screens of data, one showing the star as it was projected to be, the other showed the actual readings now that they were here. The first screen depicted a perfectly normal, healthy star. There were an estimated six planets within the limits of the Baroth temperate zone, according to its astrometric oscillation. Above average, but not unusual. The second screen depicted not that. There were five planets, one of them was the most unusual captain had ever seen. A good portion of its mass was near the orbit around it. The chunks of rock were freakishly regular in shape and somehow orbited in a multi-tiered pattern that ensured little to no collisions occurred. Scans indicated the orbital masses had some composition as the planet's surface. It was as if the mass of a regular world had been deliberately lifted wholesale and put into orbit somehow. The other planets were fairly standard, but the data coming from the star had been... What is that? There was a solid mass surrounding the star. Tiny shards of light shone through the gaps in the covering. The only reason they knew the star was actually still there. Something had covered the entire thing like an unimaginably huge blanket. It's like a giant, hollow superplanet. That's no planet, the chief analyst said, now staring directly at the main viewport of the star, tail rigid with anxiety. That's a space station. Station Prometheus Alpha, in orbit around the material world Prometheus, observing the Sagan Dyson Sphere around Julian 6. Station Commander Thomas Church was woken up for 4 a.m. Promethean Standard Time by a very excited night shift supervisor, leaning on the general alarm and yammering into his composite without even checking to see if his superior was awake. And right now bombarding Sagan with some kind of low-ray ultraviolet reactive spectrum rays, I think, I mean, that's probably how they see it, right? And, oh god, what if the hostile and I... Damn it, calm the freck down and start from the beginning. What's gotten into you, man? This isn't like you at all. Sorry, sir, there's an unknown vessel in the system. It jumped in via a kind of space warping tech, like the Japanese are developing, you know? And right now it's just hanging there outside of Isis's orbit. Japanese design, Church scrambled to get his uniform on, speaking of the comset as he did so. Not a chance, it's so different from any ship made on Earth that it's shipyards that I, um... What? What? Church frowned, Emmett Matthews was one of the most professional station staff he knew. It was so uncharacteristic that it was a little spooky. I think it's alien, sir. I think this might be first contact. Ship number 3449, designation Zyadis. Position Z17634, X21108, Y84563. There is no mistake, Captain. Chief Analyst had kept her head better than most, mainly because she was too busy frantically going over the new data to waste any time on panicking. That megastructure is covering 99% of the star's surface, rocking almost all of its light. Judging from what I can read on the star's output, it seems to be siphoning energy. The energy? How much? Um, somewhere in the realm of 400 billion petawatts. 
for... Someone on the bridge spat out a curse word that was expressively forbidden by the ancient matriarchs. A severely punishable offence on any other day. Captain barely noticed. Who needs that much energy? She sounded shrill even to her own ears. That kind of power could... Could destroy planets. Could warp the space station to another galaxy. You signal registered, Captain. What? There's another structure on the innermost planet. The one with the bizarre orbital rock formations. It's... Sending us a signal. I think that we're being hailed. The Captain felt her tongue flicker out of control. A telltale sign of inner discord. To make first contact with an undiscovered species was something that she was trained to do as a captain, and as of the explorer cast. But for creatures who could make something like this, this was uncomfortably significant. These people had built a megastructure of at least six or seven orders of a magnitude more massive than the largest recorded construction in space or on the world. A structure that harnessed almost the entire energy output of a star. If she slipped up and introduced hostile relations, begin translating the signal. Station Prometheus Alpha, in orbit around the material world Prometheus, observing the second Dyson sphere around Juliana 6. Mostly ultraviolet, in a pattern that repeats regularly, probably in an attempt to return our greeting. The communications officer, Amy McMahon, was going over the signal produced by the ship with a fine-tooth comb. I have literally no idea how they are producing the signal, but I think it's designed to translate the image. If I run it through a few filters, I might be able to give us a visual. See what you can do, Matthews. Have we contacted Earth? Initial message already sent via wormhole. Priority channel with all red flags, as you can expect. I expect we'll have proper diplomats and scientists here within two days. The entire team had gathered... The primary control room of the Prometheus Alpha was dominated by hollow screens at the center of a control deck, giving them the first real look at the craft. About 200 meters along and built with distinctive curves, like a tubular cloud moving through space. I think I got it, sir. Okay, while well, we're recording this, the moment was probably going to be the most watched moment on the YouTube's history pretty soon. Good. Okay, put the image through. Let's greet our new neighbors. Ever since the plans for the first Dyson Sphere had finally become viable due to the exponential replication technology, it had been proposed that if there was intelligent life out there, this was the most likely way to get its attention. Making a star wink out of existence was pretty noticeable. Now that that theory had been proven, Commander Church took several deep breaths as he waited for Amy to finish converting the signal to an image. Time to make history. End of story.